as always, big thank you to Myra Green for her music, her composition, Passing Places. You can find out more about Myra Green's music on her website at myragreen.com or pop onto my own website, www.bloodytours.com and follow the story from there. Hello and a very warm welcome to episode 38 of Passing Places. If you're one of my regular listeners, it's really nice to have you back. And if you're new to Passing Places, I say every week, although it's becoming less and less true, that it's my diary of my travels around Scotland, mainly by motorhome, occasionally by motorcycle, and with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. Now, if you've been following my tales uh, prior to Christmas at the end of 2013, I've been off the road now for maybe five weeks. Uh, I haven't been feeling too well. That seems to have been largely resolved, and I'm just about to pick my van up next week. I've said that uh, quite a few times in the last month or so, but I was speaking to the garage today and I'm hoping to get up there on Wednesday and get the van back out in the road, so I'm looking forward to that. But I have been out and about this week. I've got some audio for you. I've been spending a bit of time in the Loch Lomond and Trossachs National Park, which is on my doorstep. A couple of stories I'd like to cover there. One in, uh, I suppose, the first time is the whole story around uh, Rob Roy McGregor, an infamous or a famous Scotsman from the 17th century, but also some new facilities that I've been keeping an eye on as they've been getting developed on Loch Lubnig, which is just north of Callander on the road up to Loch Ernhead and Green Larrick. So I'll give you an update on those. And before we do that, I just wanted to a couple of quick shout outs in relation to iTunes, iTunes reviews. I wanted to thank Keith Gray in America for his Really nice, positive review that you left me on iTunes and the American iTunes store. And I also wanted to thank Carrie. She also left a very positive review about passing places. And she mentioned uh, Skid, the Jack Russell. So that was nice too. So if you do get the chance, if you use iTunes, if you're on that particular ecosystem, it'd be really nice if you get a chance to leave a review. It really does help the podcast move up the rankings and that allows more people to discover it when they're searching for podcasts. So that's something you could do for me if you do get the opportunity. So in the last week or two, the quite a few parts of the UK have had some severe weather, particularly in coastal areas, a very high level of uh, seasonal tide accompanied by strong winds. So there's been significant flood damage to all sorts of coastal areas uh, along particularly the West Coast and down in the south of England. So that hasn't really affected me, but uh, I was out and about this week, and the weather hasn't been too bad really. Typical Scottish weather. Some blue sky here, some grey sky there, some showers passing through, and quite a bitter cold wind. So I found myself in search of Rob Roy McGregor. I now realise that uh, since I've come back, that uh, I think there was a Hollywood-type movie made about Rob Roy McGregor. And I'm not sure how accurate that story is, but uh, I don't really get to the movies. But I just, it's something I've always wanted to do is the Rob Roy Way, which is a a long distance footpath. A very good option, uh, or an alternative even to the West Highland Way. It's a similar length if you do the full walk, it's it's about 94 miles. And it starts in the centre of Drimmon, which is just quite near the south side of Loch Lomond. And it wanders up through to Aberfoyle and Callander and Strathire and on to Killin or Amelree through Aberfeldy 
and finishes eventually in Pitlochry. And I've only done uh, small parts of it, particularly the Glen Ogle section, which is the old railway line to Killin, and the viaduct. You may well have seen the photographer heard me mention Glen Ogle before, but it's a, a long-distance path I'd like to do because it's not going to have the same traffic that you get in the West Highland way. It's going to be quieter, and there's still plenty of villages that you can stop off for uh, refreshments and provisions and whatever else you need. So maybe that's a project for this year, and I'll cover the Rob Roy way in much more detail as the year goes on. But I find myself out up on the road past Lop Lubnig, and I also past the new visitor facilities, which have finally been completed and will be open in time for the summer. And there's quite a story around those, so I've got a little bit of audio. I stopped off for a little look to see what the facilities were like. They're not open yet. But uh, I got a good chance to see what the development's been like in the lockside. And I was really heading up to Balquidder, which is the grave, the final resting place. Um, although it's not certain of Rob Roy McGregor. So I'll let you hear this little bit of audio, give you a sense of Rob Roy McGregor. And I'm left feeling that I, I know far less than I thought I knew. And when I try to find out more about Rob Roy McGregor, there's so many different adventures and episodes that he was involved in and some conflicting stories and tales so I'm sure there are other people with a lot more knowledge about Rob Roy McGregor than myself but I'll maybe pick up on his story through the year if it's relevant so let's have a look, listen to my trip out the other day a typical Scottish winter weather day Well, you join me in the old churchyard of the parish kirk in Balquidder and I'm just walking through the graveyard uh, towards the the grave or the alleged grave of Rob Roy MacGregor it's not certain he's buried here like all Scottish myths and stories he may well be buried somewhere else but there's a grave here it's marked Robert MacGregor brackets Rob Roy Died the 20th of December 1734, aged about 70. And his widow, her grave's to the left, and his sons are buried immediately to the right. And there's a little fence around the gravestone. And I'm looking out over the glen here, and it's a bonny spot. Beautiful sunshine streaming through the bare trees, and pretty dark, heavy clouds off to the, the west. And we've just had a shower of rain. But this is well worth a little stop. And the story of Rob Roy MacGregor, he's a, a sort of Scottish Robin Hood type figure. He was a, I suppose if he died in 1734, he was around at the whole time of the Jacobites. And at that time in Scotland, or prior to, to that, when Rob Roy was younger, the MacGregors owned a fair bit of land around the Loch Catron area. And they farmed sheep and cattle and in those days you owned land by being handed down through the clan but also by the I suppose the force of 
um, the sword if you like and as the whole act of union took place in 1707 and a couple of Jacobite rebellions I think in 1715 and then the famous Bonnie Prince Charlie in 1745 there was various factions fighting for land and within all that the McGregors became outlawed uh, I think they were involved in a few uh, skirmishes or battles I remember one in Glen Fruin way back before even think before Rob Roy's time where they had a major fight with the Cahoons in Glen Fruin but anyway throughout the, the period either side of Scottish Union the McGregors became outlawed and their lands were forfeited and it was around the time that lands were I suppose offered on a gift basis by the, the monarch and it was up to the people the gentry to pay taxes and that didn't go down well with McGregor so Rob Roy has become famous for being a bit of a cattle rustler he spent a lot of time trying to reclaim his lands and fighting various people who were loyal to the crown and he also supported other small landholders to protect them in turn for I suppose a form of financial support or blackmail so he was very much seen as a, an outlaw of the times but over the period history has been very kind to him and he's now been seen as something of a, a folk hero I think he was further romanticised by Sir Walter Scott when he came along and I suppose he romanticised the whole of Scotland but uh, it's not at all certain that Rob Roy McGregor is here but it's a, it's a bonny spot the whole of the area around Balquidder right over towards Loch Lomond and into the Trossachs and further north up towards Green Larith these are uh, lovely lovely lands you've got the good quality pasture down by the river there and then you have hills all around and glens and on the tops just now there's pockets of snow it's a typical winter's day in Scotland you can probably hear the, the waterfall in the river in the background and a bit of a breeze as I say this uh, slab of stone is, is really interesting it's difficult to make out what the inscriptions are but scattered all over the gravestone is coins 20 pences, 50 p's, pound coins there's probably enough here for a coffee <laughs> that's not too disrespectful but uh, it's funny how people throw throw coins and wishing wells and on gravestones I don't know if somebody collects them in and it helps to maintain the grave but uh, that's, that's what I'm looking at just now I'm just uh, out for the day and I, I, you probably know the the reference to passing places on the podcast is about passing places the the ongoing nature of travel is that you always want to keep moving but it's nice to dwell or stop in at places at time, times and also refers in many ways to the the idea of the passing places on the single track roads that are scattered throughout the highlands but I suppose a third reference to passing places is the fact that it's so easy to miss all sorts of places on your travels if you stick to the main tourist routes and just keep going you'll miss many many beautiful little spots just off the beaten track
and uh, this is one of them as you're coming up the main road from Callander through Strathire and you're heading towards Loch Ernhead there's a, a sign right for Balquidder and it's only a couple of miles down the road and you'll come to the old church well it's not an old church it looks like a Victorian church but there is a what looks like an old church a ruins in the grounds and it's the clan I think McLaren who owned these lands and again there's a fair bit of infighting between the McGregors and the McLarens and I think it was one of those fights that led to the ultimate death of Rob Roy McGregor and these lands are still owned and farmed by the McLarens so I'm just going to take a walk over and see if I can find this waterfall no doubt the sound will get more and more difficult to hear me but we'll have a wee look and yeah there's a lovely burn coming down off the hill and it's in full spate you're probably aware there's been a lot of rain across the UK and really severe weather particularly in the coastal areas and a lot of damage caused throughout the UK and really really high tides so one of the benefits of living in land if you like is that you can escape to lower ground if the weather's bad high up and equally if there are problems at a lower level in terms of flooding and things you can always move up a little bit further to higher ground so just moving away from the, the river and I can see looking east I'm wondering if that's Ben Lomond or Ben Leddy I've lost my bearings a little bit here that looks like the top of Ben Lomond, fully clothed in snow and just uh, cloud cover just above the, the top. Let me see if I can get a better idea. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Ben Lomond. But the colours are lovely. Lots of uh, brown and the fields above the, the valley. All sorts of bracken and heather, green conifers white snow and then down in the valley grass is very green and the river looks almost black and silver with uh, white waves a lot of water around just now so that's uh, Rob Roy's grave I forgot to throw 50p on it uh, if I was certain he was there I'd maybe leave a pound but that's the way of things just walking down the gravel now uh, off to walk skid and uh, I'll catch up with you shortly so if you enjoy Scottish history I would certainly take that little detour it's not even two miles and when I played back the audio I was I was laughing at myself talking about Ben Lomond I knew as I was saying that into the audio that I was completely uh, the wrong way around and confused. It was nowhere near Ben Lomond. I was looking at Ben Vorlich, which is the mountain, or one of the mountains I can see from my flat here in Stirling. And it's a very, it's a very distinctive peak and it was completely covered in snow and it's not that far from Bulquidder. It's just on the south side of Loch Ern and... As I was driving back in the car, it was right in front of me and I was just saying, oh, there's, there's Ben Vorlich. And I was having a good look at it and then I thought, 
I've just been on that audio talking about Ben Lomond. So you're probably aware every single podcast I make mistakes, not in any deliberate way. They come quite naturally to me. So feel free to comment at any time on the uh, Passing Places podcast group or on the um, on the website or get onto that voicemail speak pipe and say, Kevin, that's a load of rubbish you've just been talking about. I just tend to open my mouth and the words come out. So it was Ben Vorlich. And I think that little burn that comes down by the graveyard and next to the church is the Kirkton Burn. Kirkton? Kirkton Burn. Easy for me to say. But that's a little spot I'd certainly recommend. So as I was heading back down uh, the side of Loch Lubnig, heading south back towards Calendar, uh, I knew these new visitor facilities were just about finished on the Loch side. And I pulled over to have a little look because the barriers were open. Uh, the site has been inaccessible whilst the building work's been going on. And there's this, uh, the backstory is that there's a, a plan for the five locks in that area, Loch Lubnig and Loch Ern being probably the two that are under greatest pressure. And it's all about trying to improve the amenities for visitors to the area, but also to put a stop to some of the what's perceived as antisocial camping and uh, damage and littering that's been going on on these lock sides. And like any story, it's controversial depending on who you speak to, but the National Park have intervened and have brought in new facilities. And I'll let you hear this little bit of audio and then I'll maybe uh, say my worth after that. So this is me in the car park at the new visitor facilities on Loch Lubnick, just outside Calendar. So there, this is the new Loch Lubnig facility. It's a brand new build, a new car park, some picnic areas and some camping. And this is the answer to the unregulated, uh, can't really call it wild camping, but when people used to camp from their cars and from their caravans, there was a concern that the fact it was unregulated in the National Park, there was a fair bit of abuse going on. You had uh, littering and people destroying young trees for bonfires and antisocial behaviour. But as always, it's a, a very small minority. So to improve the amenities in some of these high-pressure areas like Loch Lubnig, there's the five, I think it's called the Five Loch Plan, and they intend to regulate camping and parking. And this is the answer. So there's facilities here for camping. I think you book in the cabin this the visitor centre which presumably has toilets I can see they've got sinks and things and you can pay to camp it looks like you've got to pay to park as well and paying display which just seems totally un- out of character for the area it's uh, something like a couple of pounds for a couple of hours parking or four pounds for the day It seems a, a compromise, really, at best. There are some parts of the plan that said that uh, motorhomes would be welcome. So there's two bays down at the bottom there that look as if they're for motorhomes. Neither of them are flat, which would be a shame if they've gone to that effort to landscape the whole area. But uh, a brand new facility, no doubt it'll be open and busy from Easter onwards. And... If it was during the summer, it's not a place I'd want to be parked up. 
and my side had a, a sandwich board and a crystal ball and I was going to be charging £5 per person to read their fortune but on a winter's day today the place is deserted and there's a sign up saying the gates will close at 4 o'clock so I'm not sure what time it is but I better watch that the gates don't automatically lock me in and I'm going off to explore online whether this pipe music was my imagination because I'm sure I heard the bagpipes playing when I pulled in but we'll see so excuse all the background noise and CCTV cameras. So my wandering around, I'll be getting reported for for snooping or sizing the joint up. Probably the next thing I'll be arriving the the um, either the warden service or the police. So maybe my next recording will be from the police station in Aberfoyle or Calendar, more likely. But. Uh, very very wet now so I'll call that a day and right enough there's the police just arrived isn't that amazing CCTV now I said earlier on that I do spend a fair bit of time in the National Park and I often see the, the ranger service out and about I'm sometimes parked up in a quiet spot in the van in the early evening in the ranger van will go past and the, the chap will give me a wave. So I've seen them out and about. And I do know that the agreement they have with the local police is that they will carry out between the two organisations regular checks and patrols just to make sure that the um, situation is working well in terms of the various facilities they have on these locks. So it was, in some ways it was maybe a complete coincidence that the police patrol turned up just as I was getting into the car but I had spent about 20 minutes I suppose acting extremely suspiciously if you'd been watching me on closed circuit TV because part of me was trying to find these these damn um, external speakers I'm convinced I heard bagpipe music as I pulled into the car park I'll need to get to the bottom of that and I was looking for them but I was also I've been involved in various new build projects over the years so I was checking the quality of the build and I was looking at the slopes of the, the car parking areas and the parking machine and the facilities and I suppose I kept standing under the eaves because it was raining on and off so I was probably nipping in, nipping in and out of the, the view of the cameras and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if a, a phone call had gone through to say there's a chap up there sizing up the new facility. So, But they did, uh, they stopped, they went round the car park and they they, they stopped and had a good stare at me before they headed off. So they were just doing a, doing, a, doing their job and doing it well, probably. And I was just about to head over to speak to them, but they took off. So the story of the, the five locks and the development plan is one where for many, many, many years, people primarily from the central belt have used some of these rough parking areas on the lock sides for weekends for fishing and for holidays, particularly during the summer holidays. And they come up in their cars and they pitch tents. Some of them have caravans. It's always been completely unregulated. And some will fish. They'll have bonfires. Uh, at times there'll be, you know, food and alcohol and people having a good time. And for 
in a minority of cases, that's led to difficulties. All sorts of stories about uh, really litter being left around, trees being damaged, uh, even some crime being committed in terms of uh, fights breaking out and all sorts of stuff. So I couldn't be absolutely fair to the story in terms of how much a difficulty it's been. But it's quite an easy sell to go out to consultation and say, look, we really want to regulate and bring in some higher quality facilities. So this new facility, which has probably been a year in the making, is, I think, for the day tourist in a in a car, a day tripper, it's going to provide them with some probably well-needed facilities in terms of toilets, uh, decent parking, and a cafe. But it's not going to it's not going to appeal to me. It's a uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily typical even of a motorhome user. There are a couple of motorhome bays there and there's a chemical toilet waste disposal unit and there's also some camping. And if you decide to camp there, if you come up in your car or if you're on a bicycle or whatever, uh, you'll have a picnic table and a little fire pit. So I think for a lot of people who visit Loch Lubnig, that facility will probably do a good job for them. But it'll be a bit of a honeypot, I would imagine, in the summer. And the thing that really I found difficult, and I suppose it was just the police turning up put the the final nail in it for me, was the fact that the um, closed-circuit television. It's one of these uh, insidious things that's been creeping into the UK over many years now. And I was reading the other day, there's something like 4,200 CCTV cameras in Scotland and public places. And I was just thinking if the police had come over to me, I would have said, can you just hold on a little second, they'll switch off the audio recorder. And I'd have made it very clear that I wasn't attempting to record them. But I just find it really odd that an organisation, whether it's a local authority or the National Park or a shopping centre, feels they have the right to surveillance on a, you know, without consent. And that is the status quo. There isn't a proper... Regulations covered by the Data Protection Act, but I do think there needs to be a much greater public debate about this CCTV. And it certainly didn't sit nicely. I don't really use that uh, little patch at Loch Lubnig, but I've been in there once before. It was quite early in the morning. And I was watching just the, the lock side. And now I'm faced with a computerised pane display machine. Uh, lots of tarmac on CCTV and barriers and now for a lot of people and I don't want to be controversial I really don't want to get involved in the debate but for people who like to feel the tarmac under their feet uh, they will no doubt get good use of that facility and even for those people whose experience of walking on grass is with the aid of a lawnmower I think they'll have a good time there as too but I would imagine that the, the wild campers some people might find it a a reasonable compromise and pay the £5 a night for camping, but I'd be pretty sure that quite a few of these wild campers, both the respectable ones and the minority who have been part of the difficulty, will find other places so the, the issue will be displaced and people will move on. So look forward this year to how that facility works. It's a brand new cafe and it'll only be open as far as I can see for the season, which I presume's maybe just around about Easter time, 
through to perhaps the end of September. And if you are coming up in your motorhome, there are two motorhome bays there. If you phone ahead and book, you would need to go into the National Park website. And there is a turning circle at the bottom of the facility to get in and out. So I think there's a a length limit. It's maybe, can't remember what it was now, but there is a limit to the, the length of the motorhome. But it looked uh, reasonable for most sizes of motorhome, I would say. If you've travelled a long way, uh, it's not maybe not a bad place to to stop over. Or alternatively, if you're just looking for a quick 20-minute break, I think the first 20 minutes are free in terms of the parking. You could stop in for a coffee or a picnic on a pleasant day. So I think the facility's there. I wish it well in terms of it uh, being a good service for people. But for me personally, I would uh, always give uh, that type of facility a body swerve. I've got no interest at all in parking up with a crowd of people. I suppose if I was absolutely desperate for the loo, I might stop there, but that would be it. And out of hours, the last thing I want is the idea of a video camera uh, watching me while I'm parked up. So, not for me, but will work for plenty of other people, I'm sure. So I'll keep you posted on the other developments in the five lock areas. The other facility further south is doesn't have the building. Uh, it's just a car park area with some picnic tables. And I had intended to stop in there and have a look at that on after the audio you've just heard. And as I came round the bend, the police car was touring around the car park. So I thought I'd better just leave that for another day. So I'll drop in there for a little look the next time I'm on Loch Lubnig. So I'm hoping to get the van, as I say, next week. I spoke to him today on Wednesday. Looks like the best day to pick the motorhome up and then I can get back out and start podcasting from areas further afield. So I'm really looking forward to that. The days are getting longer. I have this little computer program that I see every day and it tells me how many extra minutes of daylight we've got. So the days are beginning to lengthen, albeit quite slowly at the moment. And before we know it, it'll be springtime. And I was reviewing some of my videos again. I've got some videos of different trips around Scotland and it's amazing how many good weather days you get in January, February and March, which are dry, which is the main thing. Uh, often they're below freezing and there's snow around, which is good. It's quite a nice place or a nice type of weather to walk in. Or it's just dry, which is the main thing. What you really want to do is avoid the combination of the high wind and heavy rain. That's uh, really uncomfortable. So, as I say, looking forward to the next few weeks and keeping on schedule. I'm hoping that the podcast can go out each week. On the same day, so at the moment it'll be Thursday and maybe I can even get it down to being auto-published at midnight on the Wednesday or so that you can know for sure that it's going to be there. So thanks again for listening and please keep in touch. Uh, I love that uh, speak pipe service. If you do have the, the time and you're not too shy, get onto my website and leave me a little voicemail on speak pipe and I'll play it on a future episode. Alternatively, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Bonnie Tours and on Facebook, the best place is the Passing Places podcast, the Facebook group, and people have been very good on there, exchanging information and sharing stories with each other and keeping in touch with myself. So that's a good place to go. And also the website. Uh, the way the website works now, it's primarily 
laid out to deliver the podcast, so the comments have dropped off quite dramatically since I changed the design. But you're more than welcome to leave a comment on the website as well. And uh, we'll leave it there. I'll keep in touch through the weekly podcast and I'll get some of you onto passing places in the weeks ahead. So as I always say, I hope that one day I'll meet you on your travels around Scotland. And in the meantime, stay safe and I'll play out with Myra Green's music, our composition, Passing Places. Thank you. <laughs>